Welcome to the NBA Coast to Coast podcast brought to you by thelines.com. Coming to you from the West Coast, Josh Lander, joined as always by Nate Weitzer on the East Coast. And we're rolling along in the NBA here, ending the work week with you guys with a nice slate of games to choose from on Friday. We're coming off a Thursday two-game slate where we had a pretty nice night with our best bets there, Nate, four and one. On the night, as Nate told you to take uh, some Anthony Davis stuff there with a 20 and 10 game, as well as the Lakers to win. Who thought they would come back and show some some spunk like that? Pull it out for us. So that was some pretty nice money there. He went 30 and 12 on the night. Uh, so we took about three units for you guys there on best bets, which is what we're getting for you in this video for Friday. We also have play a props up that we're bringing you each and every day as well. So make sure to like and subscribe to that page. Also want you to head to the lines.com. Nate and I are using that odds finder tool that we have up on the lines.com. You can use that to make sure you're getting the best odds available to you from all these books, giving us bets this season. Nate, let's go ahead and jump into your first pick. That is something I think we both really love uh, for Friday to kick things off. Yeah. I mean, but we're not alone. It was the magic. we opened at like minus two at Portland. It's now minus four. The money line is creeping up San Antonio. Same thing. Hosting Houston started minus one now minus three. So you, my pick is to parlay those money lines, which was plus 200 as of like an hour ago. It might be down closer to like plus 160 now. Or if it's your cup of tea, my more confident is Magic, money line, and Franz Wagner 20 points, which will get you closer to that plus 200. Franz's point prop is 18 and a half. We'll talk about that more in player props. But I mean, Orlando just dominated Houston, which is relevant to both picks here. Uh, Houston as we talked about in the Futures episode, is a year away from being a year away, even with Ime Odoka just taking over, just shaking his head at the lack of talent he has relative to where he was in Boston. So, I mean, basically even 19-19 assist-to-turnover ratio for Houston. Orlando dropped 59 bench points. They are a very deep team, especially in that backcourt, Cole Anthony, and then they're, they're big and physical, so they had a 26 rebounding advantage. Now we're talking a Blazers team that also was not impressive necessarily in their debut, in part because, look, they're giving the keys to Scoot Henderson. They're not really trying to win games this year, uh, and Scoot was a minus 16 in his debut, and he was not good whatsoever. Uh, Anthony Simons was minus 27, playing those two guys together in the big NBA, the you know the increasingly big wing NBA is a problem, especially when you go against Orlando and you have a 6'10 shooting guard like Franz Wagner. There's no chance Anthony Simons is going to guard him. Uh, they might start with Tybel, but Tybel is is a huge drain on Portland's offense. He's just not really an offensive threat. Uh, I mean, Orlando won twice in Portland the last two trips here, the last two years. The first time was before they even really had these guys. Um, and then, and then the second time Franz went for 29 on 12 for 20 shooting. That was before Portland was in full tank mode. They still had Nurkic and Simons playing. So I, I, I give them credit for some of those wins there. And, and I mean, just, yeah, going into the season, Orlando rated by the books much higher, uh, 37 win total versus like 23, the lowest total for Portland in the West. Uh, I, I just think you're getting some value here on an Orlando team that just proved, they can win this win handily despite shooting 26% from deep against Houston that they don't need to get it going from the outside. They can just bully a team like Portland that, that just doesn't have that much bulk, um, you know, and, and Deandre Ayton not, not really making up for, for clogging the middle like Nurkic was in terms of defensively. Uh, we'll see if he can get it going offensively in his second game here, but, um, 
Yeah, it's just like Portland being forced to play those young guys is not really helping them win games right now. No, are you are you saying he was not dominating in that first game? I guess uh, against the Clips. No, he he wasn't. That's not his style of play, huh? What a, what a, what a misplaced nickname that would be for someone who plays much softer than that. <clears throat> like I think you're not fooling the public yet. Even with is Houston better? Uh, is, is Houston on the level of the Spurs? No, they they aren't. Like the Spurs already have some some made players and some ready to go players. The, the the Rockets have some vets, I understand, but this is this is not a team that's ready to gel yet. I, I just, yeah, obviously, there's so much not to like there. And then when it comes to to Portland uh, and and the Magic uh, specifically, like, yeah, the, the the Magic are close to a 40 win team. Like, is anyone going to be shocked if they win 40 games? I mean, it'll it'll be slight surprise, but they're in probably the worst division in in the the, the league. Uh, and and they have just almost as much of a shot to win it, it appears as maybe the the Hawks or the the, the Heat do. <clears throat> Franz had an interesting game last game. I, we all know the sort of stat correction issue that everyone was complaining about with with DraftKings that was wild, where his brother Mo got the the two free throws that he scored, uh, which was a really crucial to his points prop in that game. Uh, and then DraftKings was like not paying some people out. I, I, I'm not even going to get into that, but. I think Franz is due for uh, definitely a positive re- regression because I don't think he had a great really after like a solid first quarter. He really didn't have much going in the last game. This played is 27 minutes. Be... It was a blowout. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but it, it, even like in the second and third quarter, it was like he just wasn't shooting as much. He wasn't looking for his shot. And then obviously, yeah, in the fourth, he barely played. Um, so it, it, it makes sense. I'm not worried about the, the, the scoring output. I'm worried about like, I just want to make sure it doesn't happen again where the magic just blow this team out. And then he just doesn't care, but we'll see it's on the road. It's a little bit different. So I, I'm with you on all these picks. That was just me wanting to get in a little bit of talk about all those teams. Uh, so I'll, I'll go to my first pick <clears throat> chalky boy over here. I'm going to take Denver. You can still get them in minus five. I think you changed it to minus five and a half, but there was still a minus five left on there. For those of you betting on in, in the Northeast, especially, there's plenty of sugar house um, availability there for the, the minus five for Denver to beat Memphis on the road. Um, and if you get it at minus five, it's, you're going to eat some juice. It's minus 130. If you want to get it, like I just I, I would love to keep it as close to five as possible. It's such like a key number for me in this one. But I, I think like the key thing here for Denver, what I wrote is we write back up in this the same way like we never left. Uh, same offense, same consistency. Same Jokic with uh, no look, like no emotion on his face, just doing things robotic at work um, and everybody playing around him off of that, like just incredibly. So that's why they had 125 offensive rating versus L.A. Like they, they played at a 95 and a half pace. That was the slowest game of the of the opening round of games for all these teams. And they still scored 119 points because they had 29 assists on their 48 made baskets, uh, which and, you know, right now there's plenty of other teams who had like a better percentage, a higher percentage of their, their points off of assists, but it's one game. Like Denver's going to be the team that ends the season with like a 50%, 55% uh, assist percentage on, on the year. So, you know, maybe even higher, like I said, this one was 60%. So the, the, the reason that they, I think they continue to shoot so well from three is they get guys open. That's why they shot 41 and a half percent from deep. Um, and the defensive rating for them too, one eleven. You know, say what you want. I mean, the Lakers need some time to gel. There's no doubt. They, they look good at the end of last game. But I think Denver's defense looked a little better against a, a really sloppy L.A. team that doesn't really have it together yet with their new pieces in, in place. Um, but either way, like Denver's cap- – we know what they're capable of. And, and this Memphis offense is just not something I'm worried about right now. There's nothing there, which is what I was worried about when and why when we were talking about futures, it was like, if anything, I would go under Memphis. I, I know it seems like overly obvious because – 
it's baked into the, the the fact that Ja's not there for 25 games is definitely baked into their number. But like these 25 games are going to be tough because I've been harping about this since last year where I was like, Tyus Jones is the reason that they're good when Ja isn't there on offense. He goes to up to 17 points and eight assists a game. Those are very Those are like all-star numbers, right? In some years. So like without him at this point, there's nothing really making the offense hum. Desmond Bain, as talented as he is, is not a point guard, has not gotten guys into their spots. Jaron Jackson Jr., I'm not going to say eight points is going to be what his mean is moving forward without Ja. But like he's going to have to show something, and I don't know that he's going to have much success in this one. Where he, you know, he's been bad against New Orleans in the past. He's definitely been bad against uh, the the Nuggets in the past. Ten four and one in twenty four and a half minutes per game in his last three games versus Denver last season. He played th- against him three times, and those were his numbers because he averages four and a half fouls a game. He just can't play more than twenty five minutes in these games against Denver, where he's trying to guard Jokic down low in some way or even come off of his guy and guard Jokic, which, by the way, there's no Steven Adams now. So that means that he is probably either going to be the one-on-one defender or, I guess, coming over to help Xavier Tillman as long as he can stay on the court as well without fouling, which good luck with that. So the the 45% rebound percentage that they had versus the Pellies, same problem you're going to have against Denver. I mean, they're very, the, the New Orleans is a very good rebounding team, but like Denver's Denver, man. So they're still going to be in the top half of the league and, and rebounding with Jokic in the 12, 13 rebounds a game range. So, you know, good luck with that. Like I just, there's nothing here to make me believe in, in Memphis. I know it's a little bit of a, a larger spread with Denver on the road and Memphis better at home, but this ain't Memphis that you're used to. So don't like let the, the name on the Jersey fool you with the number. I I'm with you on everything you're saying about Memphis that, that I don't believe in them, that they don't have much chemistry or offensive firepower at this point. But let's not forget who Denver is, which is a team that that takes care of business at home. And then as soon as they're on short rest on the road, never covers. It never covered last year, it, especially in these spots. I, they've lost three straight in Memphis. Seven of the last eight meetings between these teams have gone under, with Denver actually getting held in check a little bit on offense. So my lean would be tease it down, Denver, and, and take the under uh, or or just take the under in general here. Uh, it's 220, which is a little concerning, but I, I think Memphis could could fail to score 100. I, I mean, they against a bad New Orleans defense, um, we're not really there. And I, I think we'll see we'll see some let up from that Denver offense. Yeah, it's, it's a one game sample against the Lakers team that just looked all out of sorts against Kevin Durant and and the backup singers last night. So I, I mean. I'm not I'm not saying that they're totally fire on all cylinders here. I'm going to wait and see a little bit on that personally. Um an over I do like along with the public again is Brooklyn at Dallas. It's gone up five three and a half points since I started this research. We're now at 231 is the total here. If that makes you uncomfortable, a Nets teaser plus 10 and under and over 227 is a great play here. You could put your whole unit on that if you want or split the unit between the two. I don't think the Nets are getting blown out here in their revenge spot against Kyrie. Uh, a lot of lot of revenge narratives on both sides of the ball here because you, you got DFS, you know, traded Dinwiddie, some, you know, everybody's got something to play for in this game. I think it will be intense. Ben Simmons, if he can stay on the floor offensively, could do a pretty good job on Luka. If they want to switch him on there, give Mikel Bridges some extra energy for offense, which I guess is all you're worried about here is like, can Brooklyn come along for the ride and keep scoring? Uh, Will Cam Thomas erupt again like he did in the first game, which got us over? I I mean, it tends to come in waves with Cam Thomas, but also Mikel, 
didn't necessarily get going in that first one. Dinwiddie could also get going against a Dallas backcourt that's played no defense since Kyrie came along, right? I mean, 21 games with Kyrie Irving, 120 defensive rating, just trying to outscore people with 119 points per game. Um, you look at, you know, they're 8-2-2 two and two to the over at home since acquiring Kyrie. And and even in the entire season last year, fifth in offensive efficiency before they had Kyrie. So when they were playing a little slower, Luka still gets them super efficient uh, buckets. And they were willing to go at a 110 pace in their opener against San Antonio. So maybe the pace is going to be up here. Kyrie is lethal in transition. Uh, Luka has been able to score against Mikel Bridges if that's the matchup they go with here. So I, I like points here, I, but I also think the Nets are going to be in this game with within the single digits. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, the thing that scares you is does Luka just do Luka things? You can say that about every single game. Uh, I do think it's worth it to get it to the double digits here in terms of um, making sure that you you, you you tease it, like you said. I, I, yeah, the, once you start getting to 231 and a half, it gets a little bit dicey, but this is probably just going to continue to be a pretty, you know, fast, like fast pace in terms of maybe more efficient. I mean, Brooklyn probably will continue to try to push it. And I mean, Dallas is definitely playing faster when Kyrie's out there, like, and also like Derek Lively. I mean, I know it's one, one game sample, but he pushes the pace as well. He's a, he's a rim running center that is, is definitely going to help them push that pace. Like I said, like get, get out and run a little bit in transition or even just out of a made basket, just get down there get Luca in his spot, you know, early and, and keep it moving. So I, I think you can keep the pace up that way. Uh, and then as far as Brooklyn keeping it close, like I don't believe in Dallas. And I do think there's, I think both of these teams are a little bit like undervalued. Actually. I think we've all gone a little bit too far in the wrong direction of being of, in one direction of being like, both these teams are just going to be awful this season. I definitely don't think that's going to be the case uh, to, to that degree, but yeah, we'll we'll see how long the the Kyrie is smiling on the court next to Luca and enjoying the game last, like it did for a one game sample against the Spurs. You know what I mean? Yeah, should mention also Nick Claxton is out for the Nets, so yeah, you you say have a rim running center and you have two attacking guards. That's definitely going to help the scoring. Yeah, the points. Yeah. All right, cool. I'm gonna close thing out taking the Knicks here, and you, you know what you what you're saying about the Nuggets does does give me pause as well. I I think there's something to the idea that they want to come out and like play fast or like get to a good start and and really defend their title with like a nice nine and one start to the season. So I think they're going to stay focused early. My point being like I still think you you are honest you know onto something about the spot for them, and that's the only thing that scares me a little bit here is that the the Hawks are in a spot where they're because I'm taking the Knicks and I'll just say right now you can still get um, the Knicks plus two on points bet that was actually the only book left that had a two on it so most of it's going to be plus one and a half for the Knicks fine if you want to just take the money line in that case the Knicks are nine and three straight up against the Hawks in their last twelve not not including the playoffs just talking about the regular season for the last three. And also, that's when Julius Randle uh, has been around since. Uh, I mean, four years now, but for, for him, the last, since he got to the Knicks, he just dominates the Hawks. So I'll, I'll talk about that more in player props. But that's that's a huge reason for why I like the Knicks. Why I brought up the Nuggets in the first place was talking about the spot. And, and the, the spot here is good for Atlanta in that they're not good on the road. And they're not on, good on the road as road favorites. Um, I tried to tell a couple people that who did disagreed with me. They think that the Hornets are going to be so bad that it was just worth it to take the Hawks on the road, even though the Hawks were 4-11 as uh, road favorites last season against the spread. They ended up losing that game straight up. 
the uh, Hornets are apparently going to have like 100 assists a game. We'll see how that goes. But either way, like that would be why the Hawks are in a bounce back spot because they're way better at home. They were 24 and 17 at home last year, 20, 17 to 24 on the road. But it doesn't really matter where the Knicks and the Hawks play. The Knicks are better. And the Hawks really needed John Collins, by the way. Like Julius Randle, when he goes up against not John Collins on that team, is slightly better than already really dominant, even when John Collins was out there. So he does make a little bit of a, a marginal difference down low for them. Like Sadiq Bey is going to struggle, I think, defending various power forwards in this league, whether it's someone who's very fast and, and versatile or someone who's both in terms of Julius Randle, fast, versatile, and, uh, and very, very strong. He's actually quicker than he is fast, but you get my point. So I think his first step to the basket is going to be a problem for who's ever guarding him. I think if Sadiq Bey is guarding him, it's going to be big boy down low time for Julius Randle. Um, and I think Jalen Brunson's in another good bounce back spot, too, because that backcourt for the Hawks is Swiss cheese. And my quick overreaction to the Hawks is like, maybe Quinn Snyder's not going to make them good as like I thought he was. Like, I know it's one game, but that def- if you it's the same problem that's persisted since Trey Young's been there. Like he 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 is such a problem on the defensive end. Bogey is not the answer as his like tandem partner to like help limit what the backcourt of the other team can do. Right. Like I, I, I just I just I'm not a believer in this Hawks team. I'm a believer in what the Knicks have done to them as of late. Like, do you, do you disagree with the pick? No, no, I'm, I'm, I'm fully on board with this one. This was, this was the one that caught my eye as like wrong team favored off the bat. Uh, because yeah, while it is one game, the Knicks were in position to beat the best team in the East in their, in yeah. their opener. Um, you know, if not for a couple of really deep Porzingis threes, basically. So, I mean, yeah. the Knicks are, are legit. They're a team that we were hammering under six and a half seating in the East, uh, a chance, you know, a lot of people picking them to maybe finish third, in the East and the Hawks are, are a lot more divisive in terms of their long-term output because you have nights like game one where Trey Young just doesn't have it going, where it seems like a clunky fit with him and DeJounte. And they, they're not built to defend. They're not built to defend at the four. Like you said, the Knicks have a clear advantage there. Uh, they have two guards that who are capable of, of roasting that backcourt with quickly off the bench. Um, so yeah, I do like the Knicks to to because they're in a bounce back spot too after losing yeah. a game that they felt they should win. Um, so I I think you you're getting plus money on on the better team here. Agreed. Yeah, I think that's like at the end of the day, this this is a little bit of a coin flip with I think maybe a slight edge to the Knicks with the history in play here. So you you take the plus money for them, like you said. Like I think that if this is later in the season, that we might be seeing something slightly different in the way of either closer to a pick'em or, or on the other side for the Knicks being favored. And and yeah, Dejounte Murray, not to like poo-poo him and say like he's not out there because he is he's still playing like 30 more than 30 minutes a game but like also his defense has regressed entirely and I think he was a little bit overrated as a good defender on the Spurs uh, because of how long and rangy he is capable of being it doesn't mean he's really translated it into helping this defense it's just like you said I think Jalen Brunson's ripe for a big game Emmanuel quickly looks like he's trying to like crack that starting lineup and be like yo you, you, you can't not have me here either way he's getting like 30 to 32 minutes a game which is really really good for that offense and yeah I think Julius Randle's just going to continue to cook to that point so nate let's go ahead and kick it off with your first nba play a prop from this 11 game slate tonight yeah i don't know if dame was taking over so much as the bucks offense looked like a train wreck and they just had to give the ball to him and have him save the day like he used to do on on the blazers so i i mean that's something to watch early on is uh not not good returns there i'm i'm, I'm lucky we got in the back door with 118 points to get that bet right for the bucks Uh, But I feel really good about this player prop here, which is also a best bet. It's Franz Wagner, 
19 points, or you go just go up to 20 points in the win, parlay that. The Magic should be able to beat Portland on the road after they beat Houston on the road. With Franz dropping 19 in 27 minutes, his usage rate up to 28% in the debut. Uh, I mean, we're talking about 25 straight double-digit scoring outputs to end last season, uh, in, except for the one game he got injured, uh, with only a 24% usage rate. So he is clearly getting a little bit more of the ball in his hands after he, you know, along with Dennis Schroeder, led Germany to a World Cup win, and, and his and his brother Mo, of course. But yeah, I, I think most basketball pundits would say Franz Wagner was the best player on that team um, and is now it primed for a breakout season, uh, maybe a dark horse for most improved player. In, in four career against this Portland team, he averages 20 a game on, on typically elite splits, 49, 43, 82%, a little bit of a higher usage rate, even though he was a young buck in the last couple seasons. And Look, Portland's matchup against point uh, against shooting guards could be disastrous if they decide that Matisse Tybel can't stay on the floor. He only played 20 minutes in their opener, despite the fact that they're dealing with Paul George and Kawhi. It, it's just because he doesn't really bring anything to the table on offense. So, I mean, Shaden Sharp is probably a better fit, and then but then you have like Shaden Scoot and Anthony Simons just playing almost zero defense at the one two three spots, and the Magic should just be able to bully that back line that uh, backcourt, I should say, uh, with Franz, who's just just dwarfs those guys, uh, just absolutely too big. As long as this game remains mildly competitive, I think he gets 20 uh, because we saw how efficiently he scored in just 27 minutes before the Rockets just phoned it in. Um, and that gets you over plus 200, is, is 20 plus in a win, only one point more than his prop, and a Magic team that was undervalued and is now picking up steam here at minus four. Yeah, I'm, it's it almost makes me wonder what I'm missing. I guess maybe because the Magic were just so much better at home last year than they were on the road. I guess, but like this is this is a different team. I think they're an, another step forward, and Portland clear step back. So many problems. I know it was another one game sample uh, that we're talking about against the Clips, and I'm not going to rush to judgment about Scoot or anything like that. I'm just going to say the chemistry problems and. Portland um, are going to be real like they're not going to it's just an amalgamation of, of talent like three dudes that do the same thing and then another three dudes that do the same thing and it's just it's not really a good uh, fit with a coach that's probably going to struggle to do that I can't see their defense getting it together at any point with dominating as the anchor to it and then just a bunch of guards that are still whoa what do we have in Portland two small guards starting in the backcourt for them once again with Scoot and Anthony Simons Good luck with that back there. Like you said, Matisse Thibel is going to be the only guy that has the size and versatility to, to hang with Franz. And I don't think you can keep him out there if you have any intent of like really hanging around in this game offensively. So my first pick is really my favorite pick of everything we're talking about here. And it's Julius Randle. And I'm going to I'm going to put a good pick. A, let's go a unit and a half. I, I, I really I, I'm going to put another half a unit on it. I, I hit it while I was doing research here. And uh, Julius Randle over 31 and a half points and rebounds is like, I don't know. What are we doing here? Like he's, he, he's averaged so many points and rebounds against them since he came to New York. How, I just, I don't know what's different about the makeup of this Knicks team that would cause him to not get this over this number. So uh, last season alone, 26 points, 11 boards in the four games hit this every single time that when he played Atlanta since joining the Knicks, he has played them 13 times. He's averaged 27 points, 11 and a half boards a game. 
when he's on the road against Atlanta in that those 13 out of those 13 games, which has been six of them, 26 points and 12 boards. Like, I, I just, I don't know. That's 38. That's so much more than 32. I, I just feel so low. You can still get it from minus 105 for him to get the 32. There's not even any more John Collins. I was talking in the the game video where I took the Knicks to to win this one based on just like number and value alone that that this is a, probably a game that they should be like 51% favored to win and they're you're getting plus money on their money line. So, um John Collins isn't there. It's a, it's a huge reason for it. Like say what you want, but they're going to struggle a lot more down low. You can't play Capella and Okongwu together. So what are you going to do? Like who, who you know Capella's going to obviously be a matchup for Mitchell Robinson. It's just kind of them pointing at each other in, in Spider-Man meme. Like, oh, well you can't dribble. Well neither can you. Well you can't shoot. Well neither can you. Like but we'll stand down low and swat things and rim run. They'll cancel each other out and then Julius Randle's just left to do everything else, man. And and Mitch Rob obviously stays out of the way. Uh, when he's in there, his his usage rate against the Hawks for Mitchell Robinson is super low. They're not running pick and lows, uh, pick and rolls against Capella like that with him, and especially with John Collins, who was a versatile defender, but not there anymore. So when John Collins wasn't there, there's two games that he's played without John Collins. He went 27 and 12 in those. Did Julius Randle shot 54, 37 splits, and had seven free throw attempts a game. So I expect him to be up in the seven to eight to nine free throw attempts once again, and just causing all kinds of problems. Yeah, I like this call. I mean, the Hawks, with no John Collins, now have four small forwards that they play at power forward, basically. Bay, uh, DeAndre Hunter, or Jalen Johnson, who they really like offensively, but he's not really have the girth to deal with Julius Randle. There's no matchup for him. There should be plenty of points in this game, as you mentioned in the game video. Uh, Jalen Brunson should eat. Randle should eat. Quickly is, is on fire off the bench, so... And, and the Hawks are in a bounce back spot offensively after struggling in their opener. So uh, points and rebounds, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you on this one. Um, I regret not taking Dennis Schroeder in his debut with the Raptors because upon further review, their other ball handlers are Scotty Barnes and Pascal Siakam and Malachi Flynn, I guess. There's just nobody else to play point guard now that they moved on from Fred Van Fleet. So Schroeder is in a completely different situation after he averaged 12 and a half with the Lakers last year on 18% usage rate. Uh, you know, his debut with Toronto, 26 and a half percent usage in 33 minutes. He is also, I guess I'm just picking team Germany here coming off the FIBA world cup at, as the MVP of that tournament. And we're still only at 12 and a half points. Granted it's expensive. I, I think you could play it up to 14 and a half and flip it from minus 130 to plus 130. Because I think he gets 15 points again here against Chicago. Um, and for him to hit two threes is plus 140 as well. If you look at um, the fact that he had four triples last game, and look at the fact that he averaged, you know, in this kind of higher usage situation, he averaged between 15 and a half and 19 and a half for five straight seasons in the NBA. Like he's a very talented offensive player on a team that's starved for shot creation out of the backcourt, right? I mean, there's, OG is a defensive specialist who you're going to harp on for that exact reason. But Schroeder is going to have a secure role here. Um, and the Bulls apparently want to play Kobe White more than Alex Caruso. I don't know if that's going to consist. But, I mean, Caruso only 20 minutes against SGA, who just had the most efficient performance in the NBA on the opening night uh, because Caruso was not out there guarding him. The Bulls had a 126 defensive rating as a unit. I mean, Kobe White is a vastly inferior defender compared to Caruso. So as long as Schroeder is not dealing with Caruso the entire game, I feel very confident that he can score. 
Man, Shy is so good at basketball. <laughs> he was a pretty good MVP <laughs> pick. He, yeah, he, uh, man, that that's that's a tough guard, and um, he's he's gonna be really good. Very tough guard for for anybody. I mean, Caruso, maybe the height. I, I don't really know what what was going on there. Like, I, I completely agree. Um, Kobe White's a way worse defender, so I don't know what what the reasoning would be. But I love. I, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on this. I I don't feel silly. I guess I do feel a bit silly for not seeing it. I, I did say that I love the Dennis Schroeder pickup for them. He's such a good addition to to what they do. I mean, look, the defense, long, rangy. It's it's what they do. He's just such a solid like addition to that to that that um, defense specifically. But on offense, like you said, like he's going to have the ball in his hands so freaking much, man. That this number is probably going to get closer to fifteen, sixteen uh, throughout the rest of the season once they realize that he's going to be a pretty big piece of, of the offense until somebody starts getting traded. Not sure who it's going to be. We'll figure it out later. Uh, for now, it's it's not OG Ananobi because he was apparently like a real reason that like there were no trades made in the offseason by Usai and uh, and that off uh, the the general management for the, the Raptors. He's that important to them. And part of it is going to be his deep. I mean, the main part is going to be his defense because I mean, three and D guy to a degree, but mostly just like shut down first team all defense last year. Um, he's coming off the the first game of the season where he had seven stocks versus Minnesota. So I'm going OG Ananobi over one and a half steals and, and blocks combined. You can still get that for even money on points bet. They're kind of slow right now, by the way, on points bet. So I would get a, if you do have an account with them, there, there's some pretty good value left on their uh, on their markets there. Um, the the thing about OG too, like in this this matchup, he, he's gone over this number uh, in I've looked at his last eight games specifically. He went over this number in all of them. Uh, in, in terms of getting at least two combined. I'm sorry, he missed in one game, uh, and that was, uh, like, yeah, last season. So uh, in, in this one, it, the, it, this matchup for him, it really comes down to him having to guard who's on their team with the ball, on the court, whatever, whomever. It's either Zach Levine or it's DeMar, uh, and that's who he's guarding all the time. And so he's involved in the play all the time. If they're getting a pick and roll, he's figuring something out. He's able to swat. Like, he's just always involved in, in what's going on defending the Chicago offense because of he's the exact prototype to stop what the Chicago offense does and what it's predicated upon, which is like Levine and, uh, and, and DeMar go, go get yours and we'll clear out space for you and just put guys in specific spots to try to cut off of you. Um, but really it's you in space. So he's great there. And that's, that's why he's done this so often. That's why he averages uh, in his last eight games, he's averaging three com- uh, stocks a game. So like the two just seems a little bit weird for me. Like there was a, a streak last year, where he went 24 straight games where he got at least two steals and blocks. And then he had a separate streak where he played uh, 14 straight games where he got that. He played 67 games total last year, and, he, and 48 of them came in, a, in two streaks. You, you know what I mean? He, and he, he got 51 of those 61 games, 67 games rather, where he's, he had at least two uh, plus stocks. So I, I, he's just like, it's almost one of those like lock things for him. He does this, he did this 75% of the, more than 75% of the time that he played last year. Uh, and with the amount that he's going to be involved in the plays on defense, it's just like, yeah, I'm going to take that at even money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What happened in game one is, is Lou Dort and Shea, both three stocks because they were being, uh, uh, you know, attacked by DeRozan and Levine who, who tend to either go to the basket, or maybe Levine a little bit from the perimeter, but yeah, this Bulls team definitely predicated on trying to get it going inside the arc. Uh, so there'll be opportunities for OG to get in the passing lanes or maybe get some blocks in that regard. Yep. hundred percent. So it's going to be a fun, uh, that's going to be an interesting game. Yeah. I, we'll see if it's like a good game because if it is, then, that'll make things a lot more interesting in the Eastern conference. If these two teams can like pick it up a little bit and raise the, the floor of competition in the East. So we'll see, but 
That is all the time we have for you in Playa Props to end the week. So appreciate you guys sticking around. Continue to follow along. Like and subscribe to that page as always. We've got best bets up for you today as well. So until we see you next, happy betting. Let's go.